Welcome to Creekside Chats with successful real estate investors, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, promoting prosperity and harmony to help you flourish in all areas of life. Join in as we explore the motivations and goals of real estate investors and how their ability to invest abundantly has provided them with the time and freedom to contribute to the world in a creative and thoughtful way. Now, please welcome your host, Dr. Allen. Hello, enlightened investors. Are you ready to be inspired? Dr. Allen here with our guest, Andrew Thomas Greer, CEO of Thomas Strafford Investments. Thomas took his background in economics and finance and applied it towards zoning and city planning to create the best opportunities for his company and their investors. His company develops entitlement subdivisions and was one of the first developers of small lot communities. Let's get inspired, enlightened investors. Andrew Thomas, welcome to Creekside Chats. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit here about uh, shifting from um, asset management uh, to city planning and zoning. Tell us about the transition there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, talking, uh, the way I started, I worked as a selling private equity um, for a stock brokerage and working with high net worth individuals, selling uh, assets that I didn't have any control of. So really being the salesman. Um, when the market crashed, I felt very much out of control. Um, just being in the Everybody backseat. Everybody did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and having been the one that suggested it, I didn't like that position. So I moved over to asset management, um, which is we, we went out, we would buy the properties ourselves, raise the capital for it ourselves. And I had an asset that people could walk up and essentially kick. Um, you know, it was there, it was real. And uh, I was responsible for making sure that it did what we said it was going to do. And I really liked that where I felt like I was in control of the situation. And, you know, there's obviously outside factors, which we've seen with COVID-19 um, that can affect things. But the person ultimately making the decisions when things go wrong is in-house. So that is why I made that switch myself. Um, and I focus really on uh, high density uh, plays based off of changing codes in the uh, city planning. So that's really our, my focus is where the changes are coming and acquiring those assets prior to the changes happening or right when they happen. Uh, okay. So it's your job within the company to actually just keep your eye on, on the, uh, the changing codes and the, the changing policies within within any, any particular jurisdiction in which you're looking to invest. Um, yes. Do you, do you keep your focus uh, in the San Diego area or, or do you branch out from other places there? We're highly focused in the San Diego area. Um, we used to do all the way up to Los Angeles and San Bernardino County. Mm -hmm. um, but now we stay in San Diego and we really stay in only a couple of municipalities in San Diego um, where we have the highest level of impact. We do a lot of uh, primarily all new construction. Um, hmm. So we're looking to put buildings that we've built already on similar size lots in similar neighborhoods. So oh, okay. we have a building that fits really well on a 50 by 140 lot with alley access 
And if we can buy those lots for the right price, we can put that building down and make it make sense. So um, it makes sense for us. We can do the permitting, the processing. California is a very difficult um, state to get finalization and approval in. So we like to stay where we have a level of confidence that we're going to get it approved. Well, I'm sure you got that uh, the zoning permitting process down pat. But I guess I, probably one thing that gives you the advantage over uh, other competitors, particularly institutional competitors that are based in New York City or London or wherever they're at, they have very little concept of what's coming down the pike in terms of, of uh, codes and, uh, and regulations. So that must give you a real huge advantage, uh, being able to spend the time and the effort to keep your eye on that particular ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so that, I, and so I can understand why you can stay local uh, in particularly an area like uh, California, where um, where outside investors would be at a tremendous disadvantage. Um, I would think there. So, uh, an interesting strategy. Uh, it's not one that uh, is uh, that there's a lot of attention paid to. Um, what led you down that path? The way I ended up down this path was I bought a property. It was about 2013 um, and I was going to flip it and build a new home. I was going to split the lot. Mm -hmm. um, when I bought it, I ended up not being able to split the lot because the lot was a little bit too small to actually mm -hmm. achieve that. So I went back to the seller who owned all the land surrounding the property and uh, made a deal with them to acquire a much larger parcel and do a subdivision. Um, this, I would not recommend this being the way to figure out how to do it, but this is how we did it. <laughs> so we acquired the larger lot and ended up doing our first subdivision. Oh, okay. um, and when we did that, we actually sold the subdivision. We didn't even build it. We just got it in title approved and sold it. And doing that, creating value on paper, um, really intrigued me. So we started doing that more and more. And then um, I really liked the construction side. So we were building single family homes. We were selling the um, subdivisions and uh, going that path. And we decided let's go much bigger and start building apartment complexes and go after the high density plays. So we'd gone for high density subdivisions where you know, a regular subdivision might require a lot of say 7,500 square feet. We were doing it at 2000 square feet mm -hmm. and we were using codes to actually allow us to make them single family homes. So we got good at reading the code, figuring out how to make it work for us and make it work for the people that buy the property. And we said, let's apply this to multifamily, found a whole bunch of options for some great stuff that we'd be able to do there. And then just started going after it and um, going out and buying those properties and, and building them up. Um, so that's how that whole transition happened. And we're just trying to hold on to all the units now instead of sell them. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great way to build uh, legacy wealth there. Uh, how many uh, how many units you say you're building essentially the same building which which just sounds like a real intelligent way to go about this how many units are in the the building 
So currently I have three tenplexes going right now. Okay. Um, two are the exact same building and one is another model that we have where we do cottages. Um, oh, so okay. we, we build out actually 10 cottages on one parcel um, and they rent really well. Um, mm. So that's, uh, that's what we have. And then we have another, oh, I think it's another 105 units behind that in the permitting process right now. So uh, one really cool independent building that we're putting in a really up and coming, just real cool neighborhood. Mm. And then the rest are all our cookie cutter, you know, place them and get them rented up buildings. So, so are these infill properties or are these expanding yes. suburbs? They're infill. Yeah, every, everything's infill that we're doing right now on the apartment side. So, uh, is it difficult finding infill properties, or are are you tearing down buildings, or are they, or are you actually finding vacant lots? We we focus on teardown. Um, and the reason being is just like everything else, the codes are more beneficial to us when we do a teardown. Um, we have very difficult stormwater regulations in the state of California. Um, an existing permeable service, uh, surface area allows us different guidelines for what we have to do when we actually build. So let's just say a project that's going to cost us 1.1 million to build. Uh, if we don't have that appropriate permeable area before we start, we might tack on another 75,000 to the project, which on a $1.1 million build, that's a 6% increase um, on the whole project itself just to do that. So we try and go for that. And then there's other density benefits as far as sewer connections, water meter connections, um, diff fees already paid on the existing and a the ability to do a model we call cash flow entitlement where we like to rent while we uh, permit um, just to create some revenue. But yeah, primarily all uh, teardowns. A very, a very interesting model. And, uh, and I can see how you're making it work with, uh, I mean, a lot of, of upfront investigation and a real in-depth understanding of of your area and uh, the market that you are are working in there, um, it's. Uh, uh, let's find out just a little bit about you and how this and how you became you came to be the person that you are. Uh, so, think back uh, in your life to a formative experience, and that could be from childhood on up to. Uh, to 40, 50, 60 years of age. Uh, so just tell us about uh, a formative experience that helped to make you who you are today. Yeah, I think uh, something that drove me to real estate uh, early on, um, after I'd come from equity, I, I had a route towards it because as a junior in high school, I came home and uh, found out we were getting foreclosed on and we were losing our home. And I went through that process with my family as a, as a kid, uh, you know, a high school kid, um, going through that. And really what it did for me was uh, showed me how that process happens, what it is. I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur. He uh, lost his business in a fire and had an insurance claim that 
made it far too difficult for us to get through that. But mm. getting through that process, and then I turned 18, and shortly thereafter just moved out on my own because I didn't want to be a burden uh, as far as like uh, the money coming into the household. I wanted to take care of myself. That definitely set a guideline for me where I decided I was going to go out and do my own thing. And then when I went into real estate and was actually acquiring most of our assets are distressed when we buy them, um, just because if we're going to be tearing them down, I've been through that process so I can relate to the people buying and selling and going through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really helped me understand, you know, how delicate that is and what that is like. And it also made me want to build a legacy that creates income uh, on its own. I want to wake up knowing that uh, my business is creating cash flow without me having to go and be, you know, the dancing bear every day to make it work. Well, that's quite an experience for uh, anyone to go through, uh, particularly uh, a 17 year old. Well, uh, there was a, a major fork in the road for you from um, um, selling equities uh, to becoming uh, an asset manager. And you said it was basically uh, the crash where it all happened, but there had to have been some emotional, psychological and, uh, and issues that had gone into that particular decision. Uh, talk to us about that time and uh, and that particular decision. Yeah, it was, uh, there was a factor that, you know, I was sitting there trying to make the decision, what I was going to do. And um, really what happened that sparked it where I said, okay, I'm done and I can do this, was I was getting in the elevator uh, of the building that I worked at. And uh, my former boss, when I'd been a bartender, was uh, on the elevator. And he was going to a floor, the floor directly above mine, to pick up a uh, hard money loan and sign his docs and get everything done Hmm. for buying uh, basically investment assets and flipping them. And I said, hey, let me, uh, when you're done, can I I take you to lunch, find out what you're doing? He's like, yeah, sure. So uh, he did that and about 30 minutes later, he called me, said he was done. So I went out to lunch with him and I asked him what he was doing. He explained it to me and explained a little bit about real estate. And from there, I just dove into the rabbit hole and looked into what it meant to invest, what even a hard money loan was, how I could do it, all of these different things. And uh, one thing led to another. And uh, I mean, I'm not, to, I'm not trying to speak poorly of the gentleman I met on the elevator, but I also knew that I could do it if he could do it. Um, so I just took the leap and started looking to acquire assets and uh, just left my job and went for it. And I, I don't know if I recommend that to anybody, but I can guarantee that if you're willing to do that and focus on a regular basis, you can get through it and do it. It's, you have to be able to have the guts to do it though. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really scary. It actually, I'm actually a little nervous telling the story right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can imagine that. I mean, you, uh, uh, you had this job and it was probably a fairly well-paying job and you all of a sudden just left it and you, you hadn't done any investing before that. Is that right? 
You just I I hadn't done any investing in real estate before that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. all in all in equities, all based in tech, all very different. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you read a few books. You must have a lot of self confidence. <laughs> yeah, that jumped uh, that, into that. Yeah, there's but, no lack of that. <laughs> uh, even with that self confidence, uh, that must have been some challenging times. Uh, talk to us about those times. They couldn't have been easy. No, no, it was it was incredibly challenging, um, and it was. So I, I went through the process, and uh, I'm very. Um, I can stick to a schedule, and I can do what I have to do to get things done. I'm very good at that. Um, so I just set up a schedule, and you know, I thought I'd have my first property under my belt within a few weeks. And it took me about six months. Um, and at that point, I had actually picked up a side gig bartending at night to try and make it work because I hadn't calculated everything out appropriately. <laughs> so um, at that time, my girlfriend at the time told me I had to start buying some property and figuring out how to make money off of it within the next few months or else I needed to go get a job again. Um, and I told her, you know, I'd, I'd get it figured out. I'd get through it. And uh, one thing led to another and I finally got my first deal under my belt and then uh, had it go sideways on me, but we still got through it. We made money. Um, But going through that process, I remember days where it felt like I was just running as hard as I could, but I was in mud Mm -hmm. and couldn't keep it going. And um, frankly, it's, it is a good thing to have been through in my opinion, because a lot of people got really stressed out with the COVID-19 stuff. Um, I got a little stressed out, definitely not not to underplay it, but then immediately started working towards what can we do to be the best in this and just figure it out. Like, let's just, let's go. Let's work on stuff that's going to make us exciting and, you know, bring us to the market better and bigger as this goes on. And, uh, having been through that time early on where I really struggled, and I think I really was light on how much we struggled. It was pretty tough. Um, yeah, yeah. Getting through that made it so that this was just another challenge, not a roadblock. Yeah, that would certainly be something uh, to go through. You you had said that you had you could follow a schedule, and so you set up a schedule not knowing really anything about the business, I can't imagine that you really had a schedule set out that you could follow. No. Uh, it was... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. how, did, how did you manage that really? Because I, I, I just can't, I can't see how you could have really set out a schedule that, yeah, this is what I'm going to do every day for the next, next four weeks until I get my first property. Yeah. So really what it came down to was, I would, you know, there was no TV, get dressed, get like, get ready. Like I'm going to work and then go to the kitchen table and then prospects, set appointments to go view properties, Mm -hmm. um, follow up with local realtors, um, get coffee with people to network, uh, find all the local networking events. Um, During that time, I actually started a networking event um, because I thought that would be the best hack to not have to introduce myself to everybody was if I just started the event, mm-hmm. everyone would introduce themselves to me, which has been 
a phenomenal thing that's worked out very well for me. <laughs> so um, that was really, it was the discipline to get up, get dressed, start working at a set time, treat it like I was clocking in. And even if I sat there and didn't have anything to do for 30 minutes, I had to figure out something to do because I wasn't going to leave that table unless it was for an activity that was for acquiring property. So um, you very quickly figure out how to work if you put yourself in that situation. I mean, I, I remember I was trying to figure out all different ways of how to get houses or how to connect with people. And I just started calling and just went from there. And that's really how it came together. I mean, the first deal I got was from a guy in line in 7-Eleven. I told him I bought property. And three months later, he called me and sold me a property. So... I just, that was kind of how it started. I just kept wow. yeah. staying focused on what the goal was, not necessarily knowing exactly what to do to be 100% efficient, but 100% in was the goal. So as you look back on that, and you know, talking about the 80-20 rule, uh, as you look back on that, what really was the most effective tactic or a technique that you employed that ultimately worked out the best for you the and this is this is still to this day the best tactic for me um is networking mm -hmm. um i've since i started a networking group then i actually stopped that one and started a new one but networking has really been the most powerful tool in my tool belt Mm -hmm. um, since about four months in when I started my first networking event. Um, it's, I do it every month. Um, I now do it even more than monthly. And I, I just actually did my first one in a long time. I was able to have 10 people out to a job site and then we did the whole rest of it virtually. Mm -hmm. um, but I do networking events where it's strictly come and have a drink and everybody, there's no agenda, but we're all real estate investors, developers in, in the real estate space, and we're all gonna be here. So come join us or um, come out to one of my projects, find out how we did it, what we're doing and how you could do it too, or how you could invest. Um, and I just do those on a regular basis. And it really is about 99% of my prospecting uh, because I meet all local brokers. I meet all, I, I develop a lot of great content for going online um, that comes back in, in contacts. And really it's, that's been the most powerful tool for me. And uh, I love being around people and I'm very outgoing. Um, so it seems that I can connect with people quite quickly um, at those events. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. my tool. Seems like a, a natural a natural thing for you there. I was I was talking to uh, a gentleman today who is a coach and advisor, and uh, and he was saying he was talking about the eighty twenty rule, and he said if he can really help people focusing on the twenty percent, that he can guarantee that they're going to grow their business. And he said that that even once he gets them going with the 20%, if he can get them down to the 10% and even down to the 5%, if they're really focusing on that 5%, they can basically uh, 
forget, well, not forget the other 95%, but they can delegate that other 95% and they can grow their businesses by focusing on that 5%. So, and he's been doing this for years and years and much longer than I've been at it. So it sounded like pretty good and sound advice to me. And it sounds to me like that's what you've done uh, essentially is to really focus your time, effort and intention on what it is that you're really the very, very best at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's incredibly powerful. I have a business partner that does not like networking. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I take all that burden off of him gladly. Um, <laughs> and, but I also, I don't want to, I don't want to set up our P and L's. I don't want to get everything set up for putting together our offering memorandums. And he's really good at that stuff. He passes it off to me. And I'm the one that works creatively with our artists and designers to make it all come together nicely. And we have a good symbiosis there where he is, he wants to be deep in the spreadsheet. I want to uh, understand what's in there, but I don't want to create it. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand that. Well, we're coming to the uh, end of our time here and it has really been a pleasure being with you today. Uh, before we uh, go here, tell our viewers and listeners how they can connect with you. Yeah, the, uh, the easiest way um, is going to be connect with me at andrewthomasgreer.com um, or you can email me at andrew at thomas-strafford.com. Um, if you Google Andrew Thomas Greer, you're going to find me. If you Google Andrew Greer, you're going to find an artist. Um, so if you put the Thomas in there, you get me. Uh, and I, we have multiple websites um, up and running at all times. So if it doesn't seem like a brand that you're familiar with, but it looks like me, it's probably a brand that we're involved with or a property that we're renting out or something like that. And I'm very accessible. Well, very interesting story. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on Creekside Chats with successful real estate investors brought to you by Steed Talker Capital. For more information, as well as access to our free ebook on enhancing your well-being through real estate investing, be sure to connect with us at steedtalker.com. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine and enhance the humane treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. Connect with us at steedtalker.com.